Thank you for joining us for this message from Cornerstone Community Church in Lynchburg, Virginia. And now let's join our guest speaker. Amen. Come on. Let's stand to your feet. <laughs> I know, right? Can these dry bones live again? <laughs> God knows. <laughs> you know, Lord. Uh, thank you for the worship, Lord God. We just want to enter in, press our way in a little more. Um, I think the Lord wants to hear from you. Um, he wants to hear your voice. He likes your praise. Uh, he likes when you worship him intimately, Lord God. Even though we're together as a body, uh, our worship can be very intimate. So we just press in a little more, Lord God. We thank you, Lord God. We worship you. We praise you. There's none like you, Lord Jesus. None like you, Lord God. You're awesome in this place. Sin had left a crimson stain, but yet you're washing us white as snow. So we thank you, Lord God, for your sacrifice. We thank you for your grace. Thank you for your mercy. We thank you for your love, your enduring faithfulness, Lord God. It's just who you are, Lord God. And so we worship you, Lord. We thank you, God, for your sweet, sweet spirit in this place. We honor you, Lord God. There's none like you. We put none before you, Lord God. Nothing before you. No idols before you, Lord God. Um, no person, no thing, no job, um, no political party, Lord God. Nothing before you, Lord Jesus. Have your way. Have your way. Have your way. So we thank you for healing us and forgiving us and saving us, Lord God. And yet delivering us, Lord God, and sanctifying us. So we honor and adore you, Lord God. There's none like you, none like you, Lord Jesus. We thank you and we bless you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. It's so good. You may take your seats. Um, um, so today... We're going to be in Jude. Um, I'm going to try my best. So I, some, will, some of you will complain, um, so I'm going to get that out of the way now, that, um, that I went really fast, <laughs> and you know who you are. <laughs> uh, but I have the whole book of Jude to cover, and um, so I'm going to go really fast. And there will be nuggets that you will enjoy, I hope, and you can – Always go to the website and I think view uh, the sermons. I think they're posted at least the week later. Um, but yeah, definitely check the website out and you can view that information. But because I realized, I said, man, this is like a two-parter, but I'm not preaching again until November, I think. Um, and I was like, yeah, I'm think I'm probably going to be doing something totally different at that point. Um, so... Yeah, we're going to cover it all today. We're going to jump in and cover it all. We're going to look at the book of Jude. And the title of this message is Contending for the Faith. Contending for the Faith. Um, and I'm not going to read all of Jude. I'm going to uh, eventually, I'm going to contend for the faith. We're going to focus on that a little bit. We're going to go through parts of Jude and what he was talking about. Uh, and then we're going to end 
we're going to look at what he says about maintaining your life with God. So Jude talks about contending for the faith in the beginning. He goes through some sin in the Old Testament. He goes through some things that the, uh, people did in the New Testament. And then um, he gives us what we should do to contend for the faith. And that is in verse 20, 21, 22. Tells us what we should do to contend for the faith. Uh, and then it ends with the doxology, which is one of my favorites, uh, which is right along with Jesus paid it all. <laughs> all to him I owe. Because uh, he's able to keep us. So we're going to end with that. And maybe we'll sing again. I don't know. We'll see uh, if we have time. All right. So Jude chapter 1. Chapter one talk about, uh, Jude is only, is only one chapter. Um, <laughs> so, and it's after uh, Third John and right before Revelation. So, if you're looking for it in your Bibles, that's where it is. It, you may miss it because it's just one, one chapter. Um, it starts with a greeting, and the greeting is uh, Jude is the bondservant of Jesus Christ and uh, the brother of James. And so Jude is suspected to be actually the brother of also uh, Jesus Christ as well. Um, it says James because I guess Jude didn't want to be pretentious and say Jesus is my brother. Uh, and so James at that time had a pretty big church, uh, a b- pretty big following. And so it would also be known that Jude or Judah uh, would be the brother of James, also the brother of Jesus. Um, to those who are called, sanctified by God the Father and preserved to Jesus Christ, mercy, peace, and love be multiplied to you. So that is our greeting. So this is beloved. I was... Uh, very diligent to write you concerning our common salvation. So Judah starting this letter out by saying, I was going to write you about our common salvation, but I found it necessary to write you, exhorting you to contend earnestly for the faith. So we're going to look at that. Let's dig in a little bit deeper about what does it mean to contend. Uh, are you contending for the faith? Are we? No one? Yeah. Amen. <laughs> I second that. Are we contending for the faith? If you're not, hey, it's okay. Hey, so we're, we're here now. We're going to start today or maybe tomorrow. Um, <laughs> but are you contending for the faith? It says, I exhort you. So it's urge. I invite you. I invoke you to contend earnestly, which means with skill and commitment. In opposing whatever is not faith. With skill and commitment in opposing whatever is not faith. Um, struggle upon appropriately. Are you struggling for the faith? Not for your own personal, not for your job, or not with people, but are you struggling to keep the faith the faith? Right? Are we really struggling to keep the faith? If we're honest with ourselves, we're probably not. Uh, Hebrews eleven six says, But without faith it is impossible to please him, for he who comes to God must believe that he is, and he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. But this faith is not that faith. This faith is a faith in the good news. The faith is the good news. Are we struggling to keep the good news? Are we battling to keep the good news, the good news, and what it really is? It's real quiet in here, (laughs) y'all. And are we opposing whatever is not the good news that would infiltrate 
So reason for this charge, Jude gives us in verse 4, he says, There are certain men who crept in unawares who were before of old ordained to this condemnation, ungodly men, turning the grace of God into lasciviousness. Uh, it says, marked out for condemnation, ungodly men, turn the grace of God into lewdness and to deny the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. So they denied his authority and denied the grace of God. So how do we turn the grace of God into lewdness? So they were contending, uh, this church that Jew was writing to, or this city or place that he was writing to, was distorting God's grace as a license to sin. So they were saying, hey, God's grace, we're in the grace, we could do whatever we want, whenever we want, because God is going to forgive us, right? No, no, please, no, no, that's not it. <laughs> that's not right. Uh, and especially when it came to money or sex. Uh, and they betrayed Jesus by rejecting his authority. So their lewdness was in, hey, we can do whatever we want with this grace because God will forgive us. Doesn't that cheapen God's grace? And that is against his word. So Jude is warning us against this distortion a distortion of the word of God and of the warning these people, hey, don't fall into this trap of doing what other people are doing. Uh, everything is permissible. You know, you can do that. That's fine. That's okay if you do that. Have we, am I the only one who's hearing this in society, <laughs> in the world? It's okay. Live your truth. And there's a good one. Live out your truth. There is not your truth. There is the truth, and that's it, right? It is not your truth and my truth and his truth. What does my truth conflict with your truth? That is not truth. Truth is truth. There's only one truth. To live out your truth meaning live out the word of God. Uh, that is the truth. So he's warning against the cheapen, cheapening God's grace. And so he gives us three examples uh, at first. In uh, verse 5 through 7, he says, unbelieving Israel. So 5 says, and you can read them. I'm not going to read them. I'm just going to jump into what he's talking about. It says, I would therefore put your remembrance through. Ye once knew this, how the Lord having saved the people out of the land of Egypt afterwards destroyed them. So he talks about that in verse 5. And that references um, Numbers 14. Uh, it talks about the angels who fell. Uh, one Verse 6. And that is uh, a book that is not in the Bible, First Enoch. I learned something today or last night, a few days ago. <laughs> in Genesis 6, it says, And the angels who kept not their first estate but left their own habitation, he hath reserved in everlasting chains under darkness, under judgment of the great day. Because these angels were sleeping with earthly women, and they were not supposed to. They were doing lewd acts. And then he references Sodom and Gomorrah. In verse 7, which uh, refers to Genesis 19, uh, even Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities about them in like manner, giving themselves over to fornication and going after strange flesh, are set forth for an example, suffering the vengeance of eternal fire. So he uses these as an example to say, hey, this is a warning against false teachings uh, for the people. And here are examples of people who did the things that you are doing and God judged them. Uh, they rebelled against God's authority. They were sexually immoral, and they rejected God's messenger, and God judged them. 
and he destroyed them. He burned them with eternal fire, and he had judgment for those angels. So he's trying to give them examples that, hey, look, you're doing the same thing that these people got judged for. Don't do that. <laughs> Don't do the same thing that they got judged for, because you will be judged. Don't think that you're going to cheapen God's grace and do whatever you want and not be judged for it. Don't think that you're going to cheapen God's grace and do whatever you want. Um, and contend for other things and not the faith. So, then, so he gives those three examples. Then he jumps into uh, slanderous speech, which is important. So he goes into, hey, these are th- three things that people did, that people of God did, or thought they were people of God, and they were judged because of their lewdness. And then he talks about slanderous speech in verses 8 and 10 through 10. Uh, and talks about, again, he gives an example about Michael, the archangel. He said, it is not our job. So basically saying, it is not our job to slander and condemn and talk about and rebuke and say evil things about people. That's not our job. Because even it says the archangel uh, started debating or started debating the, the enemy, and he said, the Lord rebuke you. He said, I'm going to leave and let the Lord rebuke you. It's not my job. It's, it's not my fight. It's the, it's the Lord's fight. So I'm not going to argue with you about whatever the issue was concerning Moses' body. Uh, so I'm not going to argue with you. The Lord rebuke you, and he went on. The archangel went on. So if the angel is not arguing with the enemy, why are we arguing with the enemy? Why are we getting frustrated with people who disagree with us? It's not our argument. Why are we getting upset when people don't follow what we follow? That's not my argument. Uh, I'm going to let the Lord handle that. But then he does later on give us some things to do. So we're not going to just leave it at that. But he does give us later on some things to do. We'll look at that. So he talks about slanderous speech, and then he goes into some present-day examples of individuals who did some things, who led people astray. So the first three examples were groups of people who were led astray, and they were judged because of their lewd behavior. And then he gives us three examples of some individuals who led people astray. Uh, so he says, Woe unto them, for they have gone the way of Cain. Now, Cain not only murdered his brother, we know that, but he built a city where violence reigned. So Cain purposely went out and built a city that was violent uh, and ran greedily after the era of Baal for reward. Baal was a sorcerer in Numbers 22 through 25 and also uh, 30, chapter 31, verse 16. Uh, he lured the children of Israel into idolatry and sexual corruption. How many times can are we going to be lured into idolatry and sexual corruption? Now, idolatry is important. That's anything that we're putting before God. Or anything that we're putting before God is an idol. Now, the children of Israel, uh, we look at Korah, who actually made an idol. Uh, let me go to that third one. He perished the naysayers of Korah. Uh, in number 16, the Levite had a rebellion against Moses and ended in disaster for others. So he led people to build a golden calf. And you would think that, especially in Korah, but that uh, after all that God had done for the children of Israel up to that point, that they would not be so easily led astray to build a golden calf. But their impatience led them to do exactly what they knew they shouldn't have done. 
or at least you would think they would know better. And so you, we think that we're not going to be led into idolatry. That's craziness, right? We know too much. There's too much Internet. There's too much word. How can someone lead us into idolatry? But Korah, I think, is an example of your impatience on waiting on God can lead you to form idols. The children of Israel had just witnessed some great miracles that God had done. And because they were impatient, waiting on Moses, because he was in the mountaintop, getting the Ten Commandments, and they had an evil leader, Korah, who said, hey, Moses is not coming back. Let's just build this calf and we'll praise it and worship it. Now, it it seems crazy that we would praise and worship something we just built uh, or made. It does, right? And that's crazy, but that's what they did. And that's what we do. We make idols out of so many things. I can't even name all the things that we put before God on a daily basis. Sometimes everything (laughs) is before God. He is the last thing. We've made idols out of so much. He's wanting us to tear those idols down and say, hey, look, don't let your impatience cause you to put something before me. Because we think, oh, I have time. He's not coming back right away. Right? That's what we think here. Because here it says, be in watch, and we'll we'll talk about that a little bit later. But we're thinking, hey, we got time. No worry. If I don't pray today, if I don't read today, it'll be all right. If I put my job first or put this person first or put shopping online or looking at whatever first, that's okay. Even school, even some things that are good. I could put school first, and I remind my son, school is important. We reminded our son before we sent him off to college. School is important, but your soul is more important. Right? (laughs) Even though you spend a lot of money to go to college, if you wind up going to hell, college will not save you. It is the truth. It will not save you. You cannot go before the Lord, sorry, and uh, say, well, I got my degree. (laughs) That means nothing. It will burn up. So so he gave us three examples. So then he gives uh, Judah, gives us some, he puts some meat or some colorful language to those three examples in, in verses 12 and I'm not going to read those, but those examples he gives us the selfish shepherd, which is an example from Ezekiel 34 2, uh, clouds without rain, which is Proverbs 25 14, autumn trees, and then chaotic waves. And you, you think, like, man, this doesn't really fit, you know, this, this, this examples he gave uh, in verses 11, and then he goes to 12 and gives us these. Uh, you know, if you're reading this, I can understand why people say, what is he talking about? Uh, but you have to dig a little bit deeper. So selfish shepherd, meaning that this shepherd was not into feeding the flock. It's like against what a shepherd is supposed to be doing. A shepherd is supposed to feed the flock. But a selfish shepherd is, and he's saying these were what these guys were. They were selfish. They were self-absorbed. They were looking out for themselves and no one else. So that's what a selfish shepherd is. I'm looking out for myself and no one else. And even though I'm leading a group of people astray, I'm only leading you because I'm looking out for myself. 
and not really looking out for you. And not, my interest is not in feeding you. First uh, Corinthians eleven twenty one says, for as you eat, many of you proceed with your own meal to the exclusion of others. While one remains hungry, another gets drunk. Oh, can we not see ourselves in that? That while we are okay with the world going to hell in a handbasket, we're eating and enjoying ourselves. Where there's someone who needs to be fed, who needs the word of God. And there are other people who are just drunk and living riotous, and we have what they need. But yet we're only looking out for ourselves. Clouds without rain. That's probably the most annoying, and I think, <laughs> personally. Uh, because I hate when it looked like it's going to rain and you change your whole day around because you're expecting rain and it doesn't rain. Isn't that disappointing? Because <laughs> you plan for the rain. And so that's what these guys were. They looked like they were clouds and looked like they were going to bring something, but it was empty. There was nothing there. And people planned their lives around these uh, gentlemen only to be led astray. Second Peter 2.17 says, These are wells without water, clouds that are carried without tempest, to whom the mist of darkness is reserved forever. So they have no rain. You have nothing to give us but clouds. Autumn trees, uh, fruitless trees in autumn, twice dead after being uprooted. Uh, Matthew fifteen thirteen says, but Jesus replied, every plant that may uh, my heavenly father has not planted will be pulled up by its root. So autumn trees is during the fall, you're expecting a harvest, right? You're going to a tree to get something off of it. And when a tree looked like it's supposed to have something and you get there and it doesn't, then again, you're left wanting. And how many times do we at the church look like we're supposed to have something and people come and we don't have what we need? We're not fully focused on uh, exemplifying the Holy Spirit uh, in our lives individually and as a body. And we're not being kind to one another. We're not loving one another. And so people who are leaving a hurt and dark world coming into the church for refuge and then they find that the church is just as dark or hurtful as the world. So then they leave here thinking, where do I go? Or they come to you as an individual because you present yourself as a Christian. And they because they're well aware of what Christians look like. Right. They all wear nice jeans and T-shirts. No, they don't. Uh, <laughs> but even by your language, sometimes even by the way you speak, they can tell who you are. And they want to, and they come to us. They come to me at work sometimes, secretly, not wanting anyone to know, and say, hey, pray for me. And they expect you to have some, some meat, a substance to you. And when you don't, then they leave wanting. They leave saying, why? They're just like everyone else. They're hurting just like everyone else. They're degrading people just like everyone else. They have sharp tongues just like everyone else. They sound and look just like everyone else. And then the chaotic waves, uh, Ephesians 4, 14 says, uh, then we will no longer be infants tossed, by, tossed about by the waves and carried about by every wind of teaching and by the clever cunning of men and their deceitful schemes. We should not be tossed by the chaotic waves that may come our way, by people who are there to lead us astray. 
we want not to be caught off guard. The self-absorption uh, betrays their claim that they follow Jesus and create chaos wherever they are. So these men were self-absorbed and they created chaos wherever they went. And so Jude uh, in verses 14 to 16 gives us two warnings of their destruction that is prophesied. So he looks at uh, verse 14. He talks about Adam prophesied these saying, Behold, the Lord cometh with 10,000 of his saints to execute judgment upon all and to convince all that are ungodly among them of all their ungodly deeds which they have ungodly committed. <laughs> and all their hard speeches which ungodly sinners have spoken against him. These are murmurers, complainers, walking after their own lusts. Now, I always have to point out that he put murmuring and complainers with people walking after their own lusts. That's some serious business right there, right? You would think just oh, murmuring and complaining, that's not a big deal, but it's a big deal uh, for what you're murmuring about or complaining about. In uh, their mouth speak it great swelling words, having men's persons in admiration because of advantage. Uh, so that was the first first warning of destruction. And then the second one says, uh, but beloved, remember ye the words which have spoken before the apostles. So he uses the Old Testament uh, and then a New Testament example uh, spoken by the before the apostles of the Lord Jesus Christ have that they told you there should be mockers in the last day who should walk their own ungodly, walk out, walk after their own ungodly lust. These be who separate themselves, sensual, having not the spirit. So he gave us an Old Testament example. And he also said, Jesus warns us that these people will be around. This is not new. And so many times we think, even looking at what all that's going on in the word, world and your words, very appropriate, that we can lose our peace because of all the calamity that maybe that we are, are experiencing in our personal lives, but then also in the world today. Um, but God warned us of that. This is, for the church, this should not be a surprise. We should not be caught off guard by what's going on. Now, as Ashley, we should be the ones who are setting the example of how to live in this time with our joy and our peace because we have him. But yet, unfortunately, we are almost like the world. <laughs> what's going on? It's so wild. It's so crazy. No, I have peace even in the midst of this storm. So Jude leaves us with an exhortation, and now he answers his questions about how, gives us some things to do about how to contend for the faith, what he started out with. So he said, hey, contend for the faith. Fight for it. Struggle for it. It is important that you contend for this faith. And he gives us, again, he gives us an example of what not to do and how if you continue living those righteous life, that you will be judged, that God's grace will not be cheapened by your false living or the untruth that you're teaching you will be judged and he gives us those examples of the children of israel then he gives us a three example of cain and uh, korah and baal uh and then he talks about again uh righteous speaking but then he exhorts us and he tells us what we should do to contend for the faith or how we should live as a community uh being prepared to contend for the faith it says let your most Holy faith, build, but ye beloved, building up yourself 
on your most holy faith. Building up yourself on your most holy faith. That is the good news. Again, that faith is the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We can't change what he did for us. And no one should try to defile what God, Jesus Christ did on the cross for our sins. So build, your, build on that. That is the foundation. Let, let's build on your most holy faith and then pray in the spirit. Those are a pillar. Love God. And if you love God, what are you going to do? Well, before you love others, you're going to keep his commandments. <laughs> you're already going to love others too. But if you love God, you keep his commandments. So that talks about obedience. So you're going to build on the most holy faith, which is the foundation. We're going to pray in the spirit. We're going to love God. And then it tells us to stay alert. It didn't have to stay alert. Staying alert means it's not just uh, uh, lackadaisical. I'm just kind of watching. Like Maybe you give a five-year-old to say, watch that door. He's not going to watch it very long. Trust me. He's going to wander off. If you tell me to watch the door, I probably won't watch it very long. Um, but it's not a last day to kind of stand alert. But it's a, you know, I'm watching out for the coming of Christ. And while I'm waiting, in my waiting, he gives us some things to do to win the people over to him. And I think this is very pra- these are very practical things that Jude does. And I think, I think it's, it's interesting that he just throws those in there. And they can be lost sometimes in the bigger scheme of things, and especially the doxology after this. Uh, he says, stay alert. And then he says, help others, help those who argue against you. Right? Did y'all read that in the Bible? Does it say that? Am I, or is it only my Bible says that? He said, help those who argue against you. He says, be merciful to those who doubt. Save some by snatching them from the very flames of hell itself. And then, as for others, help them find the Lord by being kind to them. Now, King James Version says it a little bit differently, but I'm reason I think this is the message uh, version that I have here. It says, and as for others, help them to find the Lord by being kind to them. But be careful that you yourselves aren't pulled along in their sins. Hate every trace of their sin while being merciful to them as sinners. That's good stuff, y'all. I don't, maybe it's just good to me. <laughs> it's good. <laughs> so while we're staying alert, so we're building this foundation on the most holy faith. We're going to pray in the spirit. We're going to love God, which means we're going to be obedient, and we're going to stay alert. But while we're staying alert, watching for the coming Savior, he gives us some things to do. We're going to help those we argue against. We're going to be merciful to those who doubt. We're going to save some by snatching them from the very flames of hell itself, which I looked at. It says save some by just uh, fear and trembling. So you're going to teach hell and brimstone. And that doesn't work for everyone, but some people it does. (laughs) And then it says, and for others, help them to find the Lord by being kind to them. But he is very specific to say, don't get pulled along in their sin. And very specific to say, hate every trace of their sin while being merciful to the sinner. And so many times, I think, we hate the sin and the sinner, it appears sometimes. The world would say, 
um, because they have adopted their identity so much to their sin. And it's our job to teach them, hey, you're not your sin. Just as much as I'm not my sin. I am what God called me. I'm not a sinner. I'm a sinner yet saved. Um, but I'm not my sin. And I don't identify as my sin. I don't introduce myself as, hey, I'm Virgil the sinner. No. And name my sin. I'm not going to do it in front of y'all. Um, <laughs> or I'm not. I'm Virgil the backbiter. I'm Virgil the gossiper. Uh, 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 Joseph had uh, the trickster. You know, I'm not that. But we are to hate the sin, but love the sinner. In building that foundation. And so Jude concludes with this doxology. Gosh, I got through it, y'all. I know it was fast, right? I know that would be the complaint. You got through. You went too fast. <laughs> uh, it's okay. Uh, but concludes with this doxology. And he says, uh, now unto him that is able to keep you from falling. That's important. Because, and you may wonder, how is he keeping me from falling when I'm falling sometimes? Uh, this falling is an eternal falling. Uh, and it is important to know that God can keep you. His hands are stronger than your legs. And so when you fail, he's able to keep you still in his hands. And he is able to do that because, and so he's able to keep you. And isn't it good to be kept? I'm so glad he keeps me uh, from falling. And to present you faultless before the presence of his glory. Now, you may wonder, how is he presenting me faultless when I'm so full of faults? Right? Maybe I me. Mean, I'm the only one full of faults. <laughs> I had so many blemishes. Uh, and some versions say blameless. Uh, uh, and so he's able to do that because of, of contending with the faith. The faith of the good news of Jesus Christ is that he died for my sins. And when God sees me, he sees him, Jesus. And as he is the example, just like in the Old Testament, they look for a calf or, or lamb without spot or blemish because they want to present something perfect to a perfect God. Well, we can't present ourselves to God because even in our birth, we're born in sin. And the only way that he's going to see us is that we accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior and that now he sees Jesus in your place. And now he sees a lamb without spot or blemish before him. That is the faith that we're contending for, that no one can defile or no one should try to defile, that we should fight to say, hey, look, you can't cheapen this faith of mine, and you can't say you can live any kind of way and still have this faith because the price is too great. Jesus paid it all, all to him Sin had left a crimson stain, but he washed us white as snow. Keep in the Greek means to keep, (laughs) to guard as a military guard, to keep an eye on, to preserve, to obey, to to avoid, to, to guard, to keep by implication, to preserve. From stumbling without stumbling or falling, to be sure footed. And as he presents us, That means he stands us up before our God. And when we have his blood on us, we are washed whiter than snow. And we appear 
to him as unblemished because of all that he's done. That's good news. That even in my falling, he is yet keeping me. And it's not an eternal falling. I may slip, but his hand is stronger and greater than my slip-ups. And I'm not living as these people would say that it's okay. You know, sin all you want. Do all the dirt you want. God will forgive you. That cheapens the grace of God. The grace, he pays such a great price for this grace. Um, let us remember to contend for the faith. Let us not get lost in contending for our job, contending for political parties, contending for um, whatever else that you can fight for or struggle with sometimes or you feel like is of value to you that we're more easily enabled to go out and fight for. But what we should be fighting for what we should be presenting is the is the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. This is what we should be teaching and preaching. And this is what will win people to Christ, not this other stuff. Let's contend for the faith and let us teach people. Let's meet them with love and grace. Let's hate the sin and not the sinner. Uh, let's be obedient to God and all that he's doing. And let us remember again to let our struggle be in this and not in anything else. Let's stand to your feet. Heavenly Father, we just... Oh, I'm sorry. Good. I don't have the clothes. Well, I'll just pray. I'll pray. Dear Lord, we just thank you again for your word. We thank you for your grace. We thank you for uh, dying on the cross for our sins and presenting yourself in our place. We deserve to be judged. We deserve the wrath of God. But because of what you did on the cross, we can live, uh, we can live eternally knowing that you paid the price for our sin. And that is a great price, and we don't take it lightly. And as we uh, move and live in sanctification, as you're sanctifying us and changing us and renewing our mind, and not wanting, not wanting us to stay where we are, but wanting us to change from glory to glory, uh, we accept that call, Lord God. And we, we will not be complacent with being okay with where we are, but we want to be more like you, you moving us into perfection, Lord God. And even as we can never be blameless because of what you did on the cross. Because when we stand up, you are in front of us. We are blameless, blameless and faultless. So we thank you for all that you're doing and yet to do in our lives. Thank you for all that's going on this year. We pray that you will continue to bless us as the church and allow us to be strong and allow us to call on that peace, uh, the same power that rose Jesus from the grave, live in us so we can speak things uh, that be not as though they were, Lord God. We can bring calm to a situation. Uh, so we just thank you and we bless you in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to thank you guys as a body. Um, in my father passed and you guys prayed and gave cards, and I do thank you. I appreciate it. Um, I had to do the eulogy 
for my dad, and that was that was difficult. Uh, but again, I thank you for your prayers and continue to pray. Thank you. Thank you, Virgil. Um, we are so we are so blessed. Um, I'd like to leave you with a blessing today. Um, the Lord said to Moses, saying, "Speak to Aaron his sons, saying, This is the way you should bless the children of Israel.'" Um, so that they shall put my name on the children of Israel, and I will bless them. The Lord says, say to them, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance to you and give you peace. Go in the peace and blessings of God. Take his name with you. Thank you for listening to this message from Cornerstone Community Church. We are located in Lynchburg, Virginia at 525 Old Graves Mill Road. You can find us online at cornerstonelynchburg.com, contact us by email, cornerstonecom at comcast.net, or call us at 434-847-4796. We pray the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance on you and give you peace.